Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I'm awfully happy to start another week. I love Mondays. Mondays always get things off on the right foot. I always invite my friend Patrick to get things started. The Monday afternoon mix will follow, and then Dr. Andy Scudiga is going to join me. That's the program for today. You know, I called Patrick's agent today, and I asked him to give me a description of Patrick, and, and he said, and I quote, no one plays Patrick Albanese better than Patrick Albanese. So, Patrick, welcome. No. Well, thank you. Uh, now, that was not always the case. <laughs> so you yeah, but that's as good as your agent yeah, that, can do. That was very funny to me. Yeah, there was a guy, you know. <laughs> it's, it's uh, I think, uh, you remember, uh, I think it was McHale's Navy, Ronnie Shell. I met Ronnie oh, yeah. Shell. Yeah. And uh, he, he said that his agent was always saying, you know, people, I'm getting calls all the time for somebody like you, but not you. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> yep. I'm right. a little tired. I did the, uh, I just uh, finished the running of the pit bulls. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they do that locally here in Des Moines. You don't, you don't have to go to Spain. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah. It's, 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 it's a, it's just as difficult and, and I would say quite a bit more dangerous. Yeah. So, yeah. so, I, I've, I don't know if I know this about you. Growing up, were you afraid of stuff, spiders, snakes, all that kind of stuff? What, what did you like? What were you afraid of? What What did you avoid? Uh, older brothers. Okay. <laughs> they could do the most damage. Fearful, yes. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know how many years it took for the bruise in my shoulder. My brother just had this ability to hit me in the shoulder. Okay. He must. And I think he knew not only where to hit, but he knew how much it hurt because his older brother, my older, older brother used to hit him in that shoulder. <laughs> and because I had up. no younger brothers, yeah. yeah, it, it was a tradition passed down. Uh, but unfortunately, um, it stopped with me. Oh, yeah. Cause I was yeah. thinking, I was thinking about this, uh, just this other day and, and there are three responses to a stimuli. Let's just call the stimuli a snake. All right. Cause you know, we're, okay. get, we're getting around that time of the season where at holiday where there's snakes and spiders and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, so yeah. response one, uh, there's a snake in the room. Response one, a person runs screaming from the room because they just can't take it. Yeah. They can't be in a, in a room with a snake. Person two right. played with a snake in grade school biology class. There was one in there and doesn't really feel one way or the other about it. And person three mm-hmm. grew up on a farm caught snakes all the time and had snakes as pets for years. So one snake, three very different responses. Where, yes. are, you, where are you on that continuum? Well, like, of course it depends on the snake and not being a, <laughs> what is it? Is it, is it a herp, herpetologist? Is I don't know. Snake handler. Yeah. Um, so we had, um, we would get the occasional garter snake. At least I think that's what they were. For all I know, they were a king snake or a coral snake or some kind of baby rattler. But 
you know, when you're eight or nine years old and your friend says, that's just a harmless gutter snake, you can pick that up. So you do because your friend is cool and you want to be cool and uh, they seem rather harmless. Okay. Um, But um, I I think my familiarity with snakes at that point, I said, well, I don't think I'd pick up anything else. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I, I got the all clear from an expert. Dave Lundin, who lived next door. <laughs> <laughs> All right, because people right now are going, Bill, where are you going with this one? And, and I do have a, a place, a direction I'm going. Because Welcome. when it comes to something like public speaking or giving your testimony or sharing your faith, you're going to have one of three responses. You might dart out of the room. You might go, well, I'm mm-hmm. happy to talk about my faith or not. Or you might be, I can't wait to talk about my faith. I, You give me an opportunity and I, you're not going to be able to shut me up. And it's this, it's this, it's that one activity with three different responses. And I'm curious where yeah. listeners are at with their response. Are they response one is I'm going to avoid or I'm going to withdraw? Uh, response two would be uh, if it comes up, it comes up. Or three, I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity I can to share love and hope and and my faith in in Jesus. I'm just curious. Well, and don't you think that it sometimes hinges on the opportunity, the moment, the opportunity moment? So, um, you know, you could be out on the golf course and somebody, you know, might say, I I really need a little help with with my drive. You're not going to say, you know, this might be the perfect time to introduce you to. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know. You have to be sensitive. Yeah, there's, yes. And, 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 and granted, you know, somebody could be in the depths of just going through a really rough time, and that's when they probably most need to hear the good word, right? Yes. Um, but it's also a very delicate presentation to them. And is it you because know, you're you, afraid of rejection? Is it, are you afraid of not being liked? And if that's the reason, yeah. we got to rethink it. No, I, I think for, like, for me, in that particular situation, I will tell you exactly what it is for me. I don't want to mess up an opportunity to spread the good word. I don't want to do it indelicately where I might do more harm than good, so to speak. Okay. And Um, who says that's going to happen? Well, Dave Lundin. (laughs) 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 Taught me everything I know about snakes. All right. All right. That's a great question, and I I don't know. I think I sent uh, you this a picture of a tag of of a Facebook post that a friend put up. Said, you know, he was trying to spread the good word, and somebody hit him with one of those questions that he said, "Well, I just I just want to respond to this correctly." Mm -hmm. Uh, And I so I do think that you know, like you might present to, to somebody and say. I don't know how you would first, you know, say, I want to introduce you to, you know, have you met, have you met Jesus? You know, those aren't always the easiest words to say, Uh, but there's a delicate way of saying it, but you want to make sure you do it right. And then you also want to be prepared for what they say next. You know, you can't just have your initial, uh, you know, something I'd like to talk to you about. You want to be able to answer at least a handful of questions they might have for you at that time. Mm -hmm. So I think for me at times, I, I don't feel fully prepared either. Like, what if they ask me something I can't answer? And that's everybody. Just so you know, I think that's everybody. Okay. Yeah. We're all going to have a head scratcher where we go, well, you know what? Let me do a little bit of research on that. I'll get back to you, which gives you an opportunity for a follow-up conversation, which is always good. And I always uh, would say that there are so many invitational ways to uh, bring up the topic uh, because everybody is 
give them an opportunity is going to express some desire they have to connect to God, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I lost a parent recently and I just have been so sad and I, I'm having trouble mourning and you can just say, I'm just so sorry. And was, was your parent a person of faith? I mean, there's just so many opportunities you can take. There's so many things you can do to say, I'm being gentle and loving and kind and gracious. And I'm not, I'm not being self-righteous or coming on too strong or feeling like I might mess mm-hmm. things up here. That's, well, that's great. It's, it's, uh, it is delicate, I think. Um, but I, but I think you're right. You I just have to trust that, uh, if if you're sensing that this is a good uh, a good time to talk to somebody, if you can, especially if they're hurting, and you think, boy, I know I can help them with this pain, mm-hmm. I think you have you have to trust that that God's going to be there with you, maybe helping you with the words a little bit. Oh, absolutely, and it may come out, you know, it may come out a little bit different, but you know, we all have a different voice anyway. You know, I mean, as you know, and I've told it many times on your show. My introduction to this whole thing was through my query to you and your comedy partners because of just an observation of mine and uh, just how you guys comported yourself, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sitting in through training sessions to do your play to watch, you know, three grown men sit down and pray before every performance. Um, you know, at first, it's a little awkward if you're new to the whole thing. And then after a while, at least for me, you say, well, this has really got me curious. Mm-hmm. And so I asked. And you, were, you, you guys were all delicate with me. It was great. And You just and talked you were, to me like a guy. And you were kind and responsive and playful. And I think that took a lot of the anxiety out of the conversation because you're a banter guy. You like to banter. So... If you talk to yeah. someone who likes to banter, you can get a conversation up and running pretty quickly. There's not a lot of awkward moments with guys like you. I mean, no, I'm having one right it, now, but you know. yeah, that's, that's extremely awkward for me. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> can we can we go back to talking about snakes? No, um, <laughs> I mean, anything to uh, salvage this conversation at this point. Yeah, it's a you know we're lucky we have you know. Uh, 25 years of friendship behind us so we could say that was nice while it lasted (laughs) (laughs) yeah my first email was uh uh my first text is take every opportunity you know so i I was posing the question uh you know using the snake as the illustration there's a snake in the room are you the person that runs screaming are you staying in the room going eh snake big deal no big deal or do you go i can't wait to pick up that snake and play with it because i used to catch him as a kid and i had him as pets so it gives you a couple of uh, three choices uh, regarding a yeah. specific object. So let's just talk about uh, sharing your faith or you know, maybe getting up and giving your testimony. Um, somebody says, why do you believe what you believe? It's kind of, a, See, okay. kind of a loaded question there, isn't it? No, but I love that question because it's all right. You know, I've been around a, a, a decent length of time on this planet, and I've learned one thing. Which I'm now I'm working on thing number two. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, so here's what I here's what I have learned. People really are curious about everything. Yes, they are. Uh, I'm sure you know. You walk into a, a a place and you say, "Well, you know, okay." Somebody told me to go pick up 
you know, a trophy for best dressed Halloween costume of 2023. And you walk into the place that makes these plaques. And before you know it, you're in the back room where they carve these things because you say, I'm just really curious. How does this whole thing work? I don't know why. Uh, I think we're all like that. You can go into anywhere. You can look at a, you know, a, a machine at a bank and say, how does that money counter work? Or what is it about this place? What's the business philosophy? And I, I think that also translates to, I'm really curious how people tick. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was heavy into new age, one of the things that got me, you know, moving toward Christianity is my questions to a lot of new agers. Why, why do you believe what you believe? And what I quickly realized is the, they wanted to believe in something, but they weren't ready to believe in God. Mm-hmm. They weren't ready to make that move. And so the, the fear of that got me curious as well. What's the big deal here? What's so scary about, you know, believing in God, following Jesus? And uh, after a while, I started to realize everybody's afraid they're going to be asked to go be a missionary. And uh, it's either Haiti or Tahiti. (laughs) I don't know why that's always such a fear, because if God called you to do that, that would be the most glorious thing you could do in your life. I agree. That would be the most beautiful thing. But when you don't know that, you don't know it. Right. And um, so I realized, well, it was fear. I also realized that for a lot of people, let's say you had a mother alike mine uh, who was, you know, always curious why I had kind of drifted away from the church. We were raised Catholic. And so I was always able to go to her and say, well, I'm going to a church, mom. I'm going to a church. And it kind of accommodated the way I wanted to live my life at the time. It it didn't demand much of me. But I was at least able to, you know, let my mother know, Mom, I'm on a faith journey. Don't you worry about it. Right. And I do think that works for a lot of people. They can, you know, say, well, yeah, I'm doing a thing. I'm doing a thing, uh, whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing. Mm, But and I will always credit it for opening the door to the Bible for me because I started to realize, well, all of your teachings are from the Bible. Why don't I just start looking more (laughs) over here? (laughs) Where you guys are getting all your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let me take a little break. Patrick Albanese is my guest as we get things started on this happy, happy Monday. I always love uh, starting it off on a lighter note because, as you know, a merry heart is like good medicine. And sometimes I need my heart merrier than others. I think today's one of them. So we'll be right back with Patrick. Hi there and welcome. If you are a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome packet gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome to the show. Patrick Albanese is my friend that I like to get my Monday started with. I hope you enjoyed as well. I always think of... A good laugh and a smile is a nice way to start the week, especially if you've had a tough day. Patrick, uh, so uh, are you enjoying some of the cold weather that we're having up here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis slash St. Paul? I know you're yes, in Des Moines. I mean, yes, I'm in Des Moines. See, it's Des Moines. Oh. No, wait. Des, yeah, no, it is. No, it's Des Plaines is where I grew up nearby. <laughs> you grew up near Des, Des, Des Plaines. Plaines. You, pronou- you got You pronounce the S's in Des Plaines. And then why and not Des Moines? 
I have no idea. So then when you go back to Des Plaines, you say Des Plaines is in Illinois. And they say, oh, no, no, you don't pronounce yes in Illinois. <laughs> so could you just, can we come up with a standard that works for everybody? I would really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. It's very confusing. Uh, yeah. You know what? I, I cut the grass last Monday. I think it was 70 degrees and it had kind of grown pretty shaggy. So I had to cut the grass and I almost had to break out the snowblower a week later. Mm, that's and, and it, Midwest. It changed. Yeah. Yeah. Changed so abruptly. My wife was like, we, we got to bring the plants in. And so, yeah, I had a, it was a tiresome weekend fixing because I have the weekends I to fix everything. And now it's bringing the plants in. And I, it honestly took me almost half a day to get that peach tree indoors. <laughs> that guy <laughs> They are rooted deep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, we did have. I wish that you, you would have told that. me that one in advance. I w- <laughs> you didn't see that. I didn't you see didn't that see one coming. coming. No, unfortunately, no. I didn't. No. <laughs> My apologies. I didn't mean to, uh, to blindside you with running of the pit bulls and the peach tree. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! We had, yeah, it was it was pretty abrupt. I guess it means winter's here. Probably few. We do trick or treating tonight. They call it beggars' night here. Yeah, we do it a day early because a woman that invented it said it's safer for the kids to not go out with all the crazy kids. The young kids go out the night before, and then they and then she came up with this great idea where they have to tell a joke to get a piece of candy. So I sit at the door with pen and paper. I and, bet you do uh, next week. Well, there's gonna be some great material next week. <laughs> I got, <laughs> I got I got some good jokes coming your way. Next week. I look I look forward to those jokes. Um, if I can yeah. just be honest, because uh, I mean the pit the running of the pit bulls was, <laughs> was good, but well, you know, we'll see what the kids bring uh, tonight. I'm looking forward well, to that. Yeah, yeah here's yeah. The, the problem with the running of the pit bulls is that was one of my jokes. <laughs> I'm aware and, of that. As you yeah. know, as you know, the kids have much better material. Well, they they, they usually have. Uh, what, do they tell the same joke at every house? They probably get good at telling that joke. You know what's funny? Uh, there's So you you worked at the comedy clubs back in the day. Yes, I did. And, you know, you're probably familiar with comedians stealing material from other chameleon, yes, comedians. Yes, I do. Not chameleons. And I have watched kids steal material from each other going door to door to get candy. <laughs> it is true. It's, and here's how you know. A couple of kids come running up. And, uh, you know, first kid, uh, t- you, know, you know, what's your joke? And he tells you the joke and the kid behind him says, that's my joke. You, <laughs> you ran to get here first, to get on stage first. You're my opening act. <laughs> you, you stole my joke. Now, the poor kid who had that joke teed up and ready to go. He is, he's, he's lost. He's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get paid. No, I'm not going to get paid because you're going to say, I heard that joke 10 seconds ago. So it gets very competitive out there. Oh, I can only imagine. Uh, I can only imagine. This is why if you've got, you know, a longer set list, you'll be able to survive longer trick-or-treating. You've got to have a rotation. And I highly recommend that uh, you wait till the other guy leaves so that nobody can hear your material. <laughs> yeah. but, but like most, yeah, like most comedians, you'll have some A material and some B material. We call that somebody's nearby. We call that filler Filler? material. Yeah, filler. Yes. Just use the filler material when the other kids are nearby so nobody steals your good stuff. Right. You got your opening and you got your closing. And the filler, the the other kids can hear the filler material. That's right. You are welcome to my (laughs) cast-offs. I'm not that... 
I, I'm not serious about this material. So, right. uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to teach all of these. These are good business lessons for eight year olds. I think <laughs> <laughs> I will, uh, I'll try to impart some of the knowledge today. Should yeah. I get the chance. So it seems kind of a cute tradition. So they show up, knock on your door with their cute little costumes and they tell you a joke and they get a piece of candy. Yeah. And I guess this year they're not supposed to dress like movie characters in order to support the actors strike. It's, okay. It's a, it's, it's very convoluted, but I, I think if you're reaching out to eight to 10 year olds and saying, if you could please not go as a costume character so you can support the fight between two sets of multimillionaires, <laughs> <laughs> we would really appreciate it. <laughs> think it's asking a lot of a child i i kind of agree <laughs> to get involved so, so did did we get way off track today or are we are we still kind of in the lane we did we did but well we got off track we got a little off track but okay. i think you know part of your because you always talk about the merry heart and i do i think people people love happy people and if you were to sit down for a cup of coffee with somebody and you want to share uh jesus with them uh, you also want to let them know you're a real person that you that 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 you live a life of joy, and you, you want you know you want to be able to share some fun with them. And uh, I, you've seen it a million times. Joy lets the guard down, and allows the message. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm just a firm believer in that because you know people. It seems like people perpetually walk around with a wall up. I mean, I know I do. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> look who's talking. I know. Mine's, yeah, mine's double thick and it's got a barbed wire fence on the top. It's yeah. electrified. You name it. You know, the, but, um, yeah. the comedian Victor Borgate said the shortest distance between two people is a laugh. It's really true. It's really true. And uh, I, I think if that happens to be something that you are, are good at, it, it's, a, it's a tool that God has gifted you with and i i just know for a fact he says please use this Mm -hmm. everybody's got gifts yeah and i've been pretty generous (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) but whenever whenever you're offering a, a moment of levity and it's done tastefully and appropriately and gives glory to god and you know doesn't step on any toes most of the time if you're a person that can uh, receive he, a little bit of humor. It does make your life yeah. just so much more enjoyable. It, it does. It, it, okay, let me ask you this question: When you're, you know, you're sitting around with a group of people. Let's say you're doing a meal together. Uh, How many people are we having? Them? Right. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's potluck. So you, of course, brought the fruit salad you forgot to toss last week. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's a mess. Nothing's going yeah. well. And how many no, people are disappointed with me at this point? When the, when the, when the cantaloupe is as green as the honeydew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You've, we got problems, for got sure. Tra- you got problems. But um, I'm sure you've seen it. You're, you're sitting at a table and you see somebody just publicly take a moment to bow their head, fold their hands. Yes. Don't you admire them? Uh, well, I've been around those people my whole life. So um, I'm, I'm always glad. I, I'm, I'm, I'm affirming them. But... I would assume as believers, we would always want to do that. Right. So let's say you're sitting at a table and you're the first guy to do that. And you see a couple other people do it. Is that an opportunity to say, you guys want to pray out loud? 
Sure. I yeah. mean, maybe it's un- maybe might be uncomfortable for people that are new to it. Yeah. But it might not be. Yeah. Let's bless the food. And anybody have a, a prayer request that they they would like us like us to pray for right now? Yeah. It's very invitational. I don't know if people are going to be turned off by that. Who doesn't like no, being prayed for? No, not at all. Yeah. No. And then that's the, you know, the, those those are the kind of things where somebody sort of visits with you later says, hey, tell me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Tell me just a little bit more. Yeah. Our traditions growing up was prayer at the beginning of the meal and prayer at the conclusion of the meal. Was that what happened no. at your house? No. I mean, we, and we had the standard kind of the wrote, you know, bless us the Lord in these Last week we talked about mistakes. Yeah, I thought it was these these eye gifts, which I never quite understood. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I realized that that was not the case. Uh, these thy thy gifts, uh, I, but um, we did the standard thing, and it's different now. And of course, I sit around with my wife's family, and uh, we have some. We especially have some a new Thanksgiving tradition. So my father-in-law passed away back in uh, 2012, you know, 20, yeah, 2012, uh, early in the year. And uh, we will, his widow, my mother-in-law, will regularly dig out old prayers because he would put so much effort into writing something out. So we really look forward to the, you know, here's one for, you know, that Bob wrote for Christmas of 2010. Beautiful. And uh, so it, it, the prayers are adventures, if that makes sense to you, that you kind of look forward to because you say, what did we find this year? Mm-hmm. Did we find something? What was, did you open up a computer file and say, look at this? Wow. And he would work, he would spend a week. He just wanted these prayers to be, he wanted to make sure he, he touched every base. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, they were, they were beautiful prayers. So it's, it, it, it's kind of a great way to memorialize him, remember him. But also, just see a beautiful, well thought out prayer. I love prayers that are written out. And most people say, "Well, let's just pray spontaneously." And I'm—that's what I how I do it ninety nine percent of the time. But there's that one percent of the time where it's really nice to think in advance exactly how you want to give God the glory and honor and praise, and and finish in a very kind of succinct way. And when I do that, they end up being kind of. Um, kind of a nice moment i don't, I don't yeah. do it very often well, but you know i've got prayers that my mother wrote out that are in my bible in her handwriting and i cherish them oh i yeah uh i don't have prayers that my mom wrote out but i have like a meatloaf recipe <laughs> which i also cherish <laughs> <laughs> is it chopped onions yeah. in that one is that the one with the chopped you know, onions the, my mother had horrific handwriting so uh, it's very often I have to consult with my sisters, and I have five of them. I say, okay, I know you've made this. What does that say? What does that say? It's either cilantro or chihuahua. I'm pretty sure. I don't think she used chihuahua in much. <laughs> so it would be cilantro. But we, we, we cherish those. You know, I don't often make some of those things. But uh, – yeah, those. I, I wish I had some prayers. Yeah, you know, my mom got much more uh, improvisational, shall we say, at praying okay. toward the latter years of her life. Uh, and uh, I, I think there were just so many more things she felt grateful for that it didn't deserve just a casual thanks for the stuff. 
yeah kind of prayer yeah you know my kids are 13 and 14 they're they're kind of in the thanks for the stuff mm-hmm. phase and I, I i do not poo-poo the idea i go great i just i just want to see gratitude i love gratitude yeah you know I, I don't even know if you're fully feeling it yet but that's okay because as long as this is a tradition as long as we're having you do the prayers before dinner mm-hmm. um i'm hoping that this sticks with you and that years from now you know, after, you know, dad has grown old gracelessly, like is most likely the case, mm-hmm. uh, you'll be there to pray for, pray with me and for me and over me. And, and when I'm gone, you'll still be doing it. Yeah. That's my, my dream. And I always love praying for the meal right after the waiter or waitress takes the order. Then I always say, how about we bless the meal? And it always gives you that chance to pray for an extended period of time without food just getting served. And usually the, yeah. the the waiter or waitress comes back and is saying, is there anything else I can get? And then all of a sudden they put on the brakes because they realize you're praying. And I always think right. it's kind of nice to say, Let, let's do it right now, because I think that's the most important part of the meal. Yeah. And I love it when the, that same waiter comes back and says, your prayers are answered. Chef Anton is not working today. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yep. So your food will be prepared correctly. Just the way you like it. Right. All right. Just the way you like it. Well, have a lovely time tonight with fam, and I look forward to chatting with you next uh, Monday to get the week started once again. Patrick, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me here. You bet. Patrick Albanese, once again, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa in the prestigious town of West Des Moines. After a short break, the Monday afternoon mix will resume. Be right back. Welcome to the show. It's now time for the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor Miles and Wyatt. So we're going to be looking a little bit today at Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 43 to 48 to get things started. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's a tricky verse in that passage because... Be perfect, therefore your heavenly Father is perfect. Um, David, welcome to the show, by the way. Hey, Bill. Hey, Wyatt. Hey, David. Nice to get here. How you doing? Time, fighting a little traffic today. Ooh, it's a party out there. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, our perfection will never be achieved uh, truly until eternity, but I'll look forward to that day. Yeah, you know, um, looking forward to that day, looking forward to bringing as many people as possible. Amen. With us, and so the Lord said to work wide as day for night is coming. And so, um, you know, I'm super grateful uh, for God's gift of salvation. Me and too. Uh, especially super grateful that, you know, as, as oftentimes being a pastor, especially the times we're living at, you know, I'd always have people say, man, you know, I just can't wait for Jesus return, you know, and likewise. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 
But I remember one time I was sitting there pondering this whole thought, and I was like, man, Lord, the world's kind of crazy. This is years ago. And I'm like, this is just nuts. And I'm like, Lord, you know, you're, you're going to return. And he said, hey, Dave, I got a question for you. What's that, Lord? So what if I would have came back on May 8th, 1987 at 10.44 p.m., the minute before you gave your life to Christ? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay. So good thing he's patient. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes when we're praying for the return of Christ, in some ways, you know, it's a desire, Maranatha, Lord, come. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it can be a little bit selfish because the reality is there's almost, what, 2, 2.8? There's there's plenty of people who have not heard the gospel mm-hmm. even once yet. And so the need for it, and, and I guess like as a pastor, when people would say, oh man, we're praying, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the return of Christ. And I'd be like, super, you're super excited. People are like, yeah, super. Matthew uh, 24, 14 says, and this gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth and then my son will return. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how's our GPS? How is our going, praying, and sending? Yeah. Are we at the ends of the earth yet? Yeah. Yeah. And it would say that there are million, billions of people who haven't, and there's uh um, I was at a Lecrae concert here recently with my son, DJ, and um, they showed a video of this people group who had just gotten God's Word. We're talking in 2023. Yeah. We'd just gotten God's Word. Fantastic. And that was fascinating. Yeah. So, so like, if you're excited for the return of Christ, go get, across the street, knock on your door, neighbor's door. Yeah, we were talking and, about that with Patrick. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we're threading the needle today. We're threading the needle. Yeah. Yeah. The needle is being threaded. It is being threaded. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, there's a lot of reasons to have enemies in the world today. As we watch the news, there's a lot of very violent-type, enemy-type people out there. And Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Tall order. It is a tall order, you know. And um, during this time when Jesus was writing... You know, the the rabbis, you know, had this saying, like, you know, not only uh, that that actually was okay to hate your enemies. And um, revenge is kind of a big thing in movies and in our culture. Um, I was thinking, Bill, uh, as I was driving, there was this, um, this news article or news report came on, and it was of a guy who had his own dash cam. Uh, but he got super upset and had road rage. Mm. And then he proceeded to, like, drive off the road. He's yelling at people. And then he drove into a parade mm. and almost hit kids. And so that guy being offended by something that had happened allowed his anger almost literally to make everyone in front of him an enemy. And he almost killed innocent people. Mm. So... Yeah, so this this whole thing, this culture of kind of revenge, this kind of thing, this kind of tit for tat, mm-hmm. um, is is really real, and it's and it's and it's really prevalent. And you know, um, there's 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 a lot of a uh, there's a lot of advertising dollars that get made for us being divided. Yeah, All you right. know. So why you're a younger person than David and I? What do you what do you understand? Nice or yeah, it's great hair. <laughs> yeah. What do you sense uh, as far as the level of uh, mistrust and and maybe this low level anger David and I are talking about uh, in your generation? Yeah, no, I think it's gotten worse and worse even just in the last ten years from okay. when I was younger, and, and I think it's getting harder and harder to 
love others and want to trust others because of what gets portrayed by the media. Think about all the power there is out there in the world and mm-hmm. how your image or your your view on something can be shaped in a matter of minutes. Yep. And then all of a sudden that's in the back of your mind forever. Yeah. We were and, talking and about that earlier today. And, and it's really hard to get that out of your head. So it, it's one of those things, when I look at this passage here, verses 43 to 48, what's the easiest thing we can do right now as Christians in there? It says, pray for those who persecute you. You can pray. You can always pray. That's that's the easy part right there. But how do you do it for those who persecute you? And I know personally for me, it's a challenge in our generation because of the technology, the media, everything we see out there on social media now has just made each other turn against each other. Was that? I'm sure it wasn't like this when you two were growing up, no, was it? No, it wasn't. No. No, I mean, like, back then, the the choices of media were a little bit more sequestered. Yeah. And so they weren't as much. And, um, you know, again, a fascinating documentary is A Social Dilemma on Netflix that yeah. looks at social media. And here's the thing. If you, if you watch Fox News or, you know, for some, fake news, then you're going to be a Fox person. If you, re, if you watch Continuous Negative News, also known as CNN— you're going to eventually be that person. And so one of the dangers that happens, and one of the young men that I, I a disciple out of Mississippi, ha- had sent me something that I was on my way over just even listening to. Um, what are we being discipled by? Because if we watch certain things, we kind of get caught in this echo chamber. And that was the thing that was interesting about Social Dilemma. It was saying that what advertisers really want is our attention. Because if they get our attention, they're going to get our dollars. And I came across a fascinating uh, chart where uh, media groups were like monitoring media and noticing that since 2010, the amount of the amount of um, articles or shows or things that deal with anger and disgust and division have greatly climbed. Mm. And the ones dealing with joy and even neutrality have greatly diminished. And so what happens is we start to feel this way about people naturally because, you know, our side is always whatever side we're saying is always the righteous side and always has it just right. And the other side just always has it wrong. We're never we're, we're less inclined to question the things that we're in. And we're just like, what about them? But here's the thing. Both groups, both sides can be um, a little skewed in their things. And oh, yeah. also are the people are we getting our news from, from you know, Christian sources and the like. I mean, let's let's take for instance, um, even right now the current situation that's happening in Israel with Palestine. You know, um, my heart's broken by that. I work for Jews for Jesus, and over there are a number of people who are not followers of Yeshua Mashiach, meaning a number of Jewish people. And the other day I was praying about this, and it was like, okay, so Lord. What are what are our Palestinian brothers and sisters in Christ feeling about our mindset? What are our Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ feeling about this particular mindset? And someone had shared with me that there were Jewish and Palestinian followers of Jesus who are persecuted on both sides in their area who are coming together and praying how Jesus will be glorified and asking for the Prince of Peace to be brought to bear on this situation. Because we're dealing kind of, you know, um, as one missionary, Nick and Ruth Ripkin, uh, he wrote the book, Insanity of God and the Insanity of Obedience. Um, 
you know, he made this note. He says, we're dealing with Old Testament people that have been fighting much longer than we've been around, and both of them need Christ. One group is more modern, Israel. One mm-hmm. group seems less modern. And the danger can become that we begin to dehumanize any image bearer and consider consider the loss of life okay and acceptable when God doesn't see it that way. Mm-hmm. We're in Matthew chapter 5, loving your enemies, doing good towards them, praying for them, and seeking common grace. Pastor David Miles and Wyatt is the Monday afternoon mix. We'll take a little break. We're not going to be gone long, and we'll be right back. We want to pray for you. We all need prayer. We would love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer, and we pray for specific listener requests every week. Share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com. There's that cool jazz. Compliments of Wyatt. Thank you, Wyatt. For that cool jazz. Finally getting it right, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're doing great. Doing a great job. This is the Monday Afternoon Mix. Pastor David Miles and Wyatt were here, and we're chatting about the Sermon on the Mount. And David, Miles, or um, Wyatt, let's talk a little bit about some of the solutions. Uh, you know, God says, love our enemies, do good towards them, pray for them, seek common grace. Okay, what do we learn? What Paul says in Philippians 4, don't be anxious. Say more about that, David. Well, I think sometimes we're anxious in a sense of having our position heard or having power or making sure that we're right in a particular situation or not. Um, as people head into the into the holidays, that this is actually the time of anxiety. One of my very, very close friends when I was in Ohio it was Captain Steve Lyon of the Azenia Police Department. He was commander of the SWAT for Greene County. You know, and we would go for bike rides. We we would pray regularly. And, you know, his wife at one time was my children's director, and our families are, are good friends. And he would always say to me, you know, Dave, it's really funny about the, the happy holidays is that they're not so happy. Mm-hmm. And he goes, that is when our domestic abuse, that's when our police calls, that's when all this drama greatly increases. And he's like, you literally can feel the anxiety you know, around that. And so, you know, Jesus later on in the Sermon on Mount, he tells us not to be anxious, you know, and it was kind of like, really, Jesus? And he's like, don't be anxious, but prioritize God's kingdom and his righteousness. Matthew six thirty one and 33 says, seek ye first God's kingdom and his righteousness, not the world's idea, because as we're learning early on here, the world's ideal is righteousness is like, what he said earlier is eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And and Jesus is saying, no, you know, it, that's, that's not it. And so he says, in, Paul writes in Philippians about not being anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition present, you know, our requests to God and the peace of God, which guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus will keep us. And then he goes on to this really important part where he says in, in uh, verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever's true. First, we got to start there. Okay? Truth is huge. I know mm-hmm. that has kind of gone by the wayside over the years. Um, 
and that we've become a little bit more crazy in our justifications. I, I remember a person uh, standing across from me as a leader, and we were having conversations about the last administration, a particular leader at that time, who had, you know, roughly about 30,000 misrepresentations. And I said, well, that's fake news. Let's cut it down to 15. I finally just said, let's just cut it down to 300. And the person said to me, you know, Pastor David, lying's kind of an emotional, subjective thing for each person. And I looked at him and I said, no, it's not. But there's that point where we can begin to slide on the issue of truth. And Paul says one of the things with dealing with anxiety is first we got to deal with the things that are true. And ultimate truth is found in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So one of the things with anxiety is just truth. Number two, he goes, Paul says, whatever's honorable. Tammy will say this. It's easier to uh, catch flies with honey than vinegar. So as you head into the, into the holidays, are you looking as you sit down across from family? Are you seeking to be honorable and concerned about God's righteousness? Or are you seeking about you being right? Hmm. That's a tall order. It's wow. a, it is. Yeah. It's hard. I hope you're seeking God's righteousness. Right. Whatever is just. Like, what deals with kind of God's justice and not man's justice? Because we're inclined to say, well, you know, wait a minute, like hating your enemies. Like, well, aren't we supposed to hate those who God hates and love those who God loves? And we tend to forget that the book of Ephesians says in chapter 2, remember at one time, Gentiles, that all of you were enemies of God. So, like, we have to be careful because sometimes we naturally think enemies are out there without realizing at one time we were enemies because of the world, the flesh, and the devil Mm -hmm. and our need of the gospel to be so working in our hearts. The next thing is whatever is pure, like really being pure and our, our attentions towards those who are across from us. I mean, even, even this whole thing about loving your enemies, you know, are we doing it in a true manner, honorable manner, just manner, pure, whatever's lovely, like, are we really thinking the best of other people? And why you got on this earlier, so much of media, it makes us money off of one, us being discontent and us being angry. Yeah. Yeah. And just going off of what you said, it's not something you can fake either as far as if you're loving your enemies or not, because God knows your heart. You can do it on the outside, but are you truly, truly doing it on the inside? Yeah. And I mean, like, it's easy. And one of the things that's hard, this is... You know, guys, sometimes people say, like, I don't need a church and I don't need a Christian body or things like that. But this is one of the things that's super helpful in being a part of the body of Christ because it's easy to kind of get sucked into things. But having other believers around you who are like, hey, how are you doing? Hey, by the way, what you're thinking on this isn't really honoring God or the person there. And I love you enough to tell you that. So, like, our need for one another as we start to head into the weeks, the days and weeks coming up to the holidays, um, it's a beautiful time. It's a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what are our intentions as we walk in? Do we view people um, as enemies or opponents? And sometimes when we do, we feel justified in that. And we we forget that the only person who's really justified in saying, like, you're an enemy— 
That was God because he's perfect and holy. Mm-hmm. And if we've been recipients of his grace and his mercy and his love, for us then to not be giving that, Matthew chapter 18 says we're, we're the person who was forgiven a billion dollars and we, you know, Bill, you and I held offense against Wyatt because he owed us change for a Happy Meal. That means We still want that change too, by the way, Wyatt. <laughs> yeah. Usually want blood. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Be nice to see a little something. So, Bill, why do you think it's hard for people? Why is it hard to love our enemies? And why is it so easy just to kind of slide into not having the heart of God for fill in the blank, whatever person comes to someone's mind right now? Well, it's a good question, David. There is a reluctance to offer grace, mercy, kindness and tenderness those don't come easily when i think of any situation even in a family situation if you say with i'm going to go in with the best of intentions you get triggered and those best intentions just go away Mm -hmm. and it was wow that didn't last long (laughs) you know it's like leaving a bible study uh at a breakfast restaurant and you pull out of the driveway and somebody cuts you off and all of a sudden boy you're kind of fired up yeah. Reaching for the horn. So why? What, what would you think would be some helpful things as people are right now? They're making plans for the holidays. What would be some helpful recommendations for people as they're getting ready for the holidays? Prayer to soften your heart and the heart of those you may be talking to. And just to find the little moments where you can connect with them, even if you haven't been able to. Because there's a lot of families, like you said, that are probably distant heading into the holiday years. There's a lot of hurt from years past, but don't let that stop you from spreading God's heart and loving those who maybe haven't loved you back. Nicely done, Wyatt. All right, that's all the time we have for the Monday Afternoon Mix. We're going to be right back with Dr. Andy Scuddinger talking about the psychology of fear. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.